0: To La Ventanita podcast, you are now in tune to the sounds of uh, Jeremy Eliva, Raona, and Joshua Sir. If you don't know what a Ventanita is, um, if you come to South Florida, namely um, in Miami, um, but you know you see it throughout South Florida from West Palm Beach to to Miami. Um, there are these little walk-up windows uh, where uh, many restaurants, mainly Cuban restaurants, um, they sell food out of there. But um, at certain ventanitas, what you see is just people hanging out, talking. It's kind of like the barber shop. It's like another mm. barbershop kind of place. Um, even though recently I went to the barbershop and everybody had appointments, so nobody was chilling in there. <laughs> um, but um, it's that place where we just gather chill and just process life, man. So that's what a ventanita is. And, man, it's really good food. It's really good what, food.
1: what What kind of food would somebody expect when you walk up to a Ventanita?
0: Croquetas, mm-hmm. cortadito, mm. colada, mm. café con leche, Cuban sandwich, medianoche, anything you want, man. Man. And many of them are 24 hours, so...
1: 24 hours? Yes. Oh, man, I, I definitely got to book a trip now.
0: Yes. So I imagine that many of these businesses did well during the COVID season. Mm -hmm. I mean, because you can just walk up, and it's in Florida. The weather is usually really, really nice. Right. Uh, So, yeah. You know, that's what a ventanita is. So as we think about how that relates to this podcast, we're not selling food. Uh, We're not selling croquetas, but we are selling food for thought.
1: Okay. Do you like that? I like that. That was that was creative, bro. Should we
0: make that the tagline? No, no, let's not make that the tagline. Uh, we can
1: experiment with it. We'll hold on to this one and, and put it on the board. That's Maybe the, the listeners
0: could tell us what they think about that tagline.
1: Yeah. Email us. Email us. Yes. You'll find our email at the end.
0: But in many ways, we wanted to
1: create a
0: ventanita, a digital ventanita, mm-hmm. where we're able to give you some food for thought, uh, in particular, as it relates to the process of church planting in West Palm Beach, Florida. So, I'm starting a church with my wife and my daughter, um, and uh, one of my boys is Mario. His name is Mario in um, West Palm Beach on the south side of the city, uh, which is a primarily Latino neighborhood. And there are a number of Ventanitas around here. Um, so, I wanted to, with Josh, Um, and some friends that will be joining us throughout this podcast, um, create that atmosphere Mm. of La Ventanita and talk about (laughs) the process. Why are you laughing, man? Uh,
1: I felt a shift in the atmosphere.
0: atmosphere. When I said that?
1: Yeah, right when you said that.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay, okay. (laughs) Well, praise God for that. So... Before we go any further, Josh, could you tell people what your ethnicity
1: is? Yeah, so a little bit of my background. Um, I'm a second-generation Korean. Um, Both my parents are Korean. They came to the United States uh, after some time and settled here. Um, I'm a pastor's kid. Mm. Um, Grew up, born and raised in Chula Vista, California. Shout out. I, I, I'll I say specifics Chula Vista, California CV. Um, Most people don't know where Chula Vista is So people always say San Diego mm. But Chula Vista is about like 30 minutes from the California-Mexico border
0: mm.
1: Just to kind of give you a, a picture
0: Hence the reason why he's on La Ventanita podcast <laughs> Because he's been adopted as a Latino son yet still keeping his Korean identity.
1: Man, I, I, I take that with great pride and honor that <laughs> I'm adopted into the culture, and I know there's so much more that I have yet to learn about Latino culture and heritage and history. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that privilege.
0: That's what's up. That's what's up. And I met Josh in, in Chicago, Illinois. Actually, we were in seminary together. Mm -hmm. and, man, we just kicked it off, Um, and we were part of the the same church community over there. Um, And then I just started introducing uh, Josh to some of my cultural um, customs, cultural foods
1: that he loves and probably eats more than I do now. I I need to let the listeners know that pupusa has changed my life. Mm, mm.
0: So with that being said, so I'm half Salvadorian. My dad's from El Salvador. Um, so I'm a second generation um, immigrant. Uh, is, that, is that how you say it? Am I, yeah, I'm second generation yeah. Salvadorian. Mm-hmm. And then my mom is from Ecuador, Guayaquil, Ecuador, to be exact. Um, they met in New York, um, got married, had me and my brothers. Uh, and then they raised us in the faith, in mm-hmm. the Christian faith. And man, they they were really, really uh, adamant about us keeping our culture, our cultural customs from both both countries. But many times when people ask me, um, what I am, I say, man, I'm half Ecuadorian, half Salvadorian. Que significa que yo soy confundido, (laughs) which means I am confused many times because they are very different cultures in many ways. So with that being said, I want to introduce our first segment, and mm-hmm. it's la plena. Mm. La plena. What is la plena? La plena is this term, this term or this phrase that Ecuadorians say, specifically from Guayaquil, maybe in other parts of Ecuador, um, to say for real, for real. So like we're talking, and you wanna, you know, give give somebody the scoop on something. You be like, man, la plena, la plena, like for real. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like real talk is what we're trying to say. And as we talk about why church planting, um, I really wanted to start out by talking about the community that we're in. Mm-hmm. Josh, have you ever heard about West Palm Beach at all?
1: No, not until I met you. Okay. So
0: West Palm Beach is is outside of Miami, mm-hmm. um, but it's its own little city. It's, it's, it's a little big city. That's the way that... I would describe it. Um, I grew up in a city right next to West Palm Beach, but the church that I grew up in was in West Palm Beach, although we migrated around mm-hmm. Palm Beach County. Uh, and my wife and I, we moved in August of 2021 to plant the church here in West Palm, specifically um, in the southern part of the city. Um, and if you know anything about where the, the the geography of the city, um, we are in a neighborhood south of Belvedere, which is like a main cross street right, right off Parker Avenue, and most people know that that area is is heavily Latino. The majority is Latino. Um, I often say in my community, if people suspect you speak Spanish, and even if you don't, they'll speak Spanish to you first. Uh, so it's 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 a Latino. Context in every single sense. So when you come, Josh, mm-hmm. from Chicago to West Palm, man, you better you better be ready to just
1: speak Spanish. Man, I I gotta brush up on my Spanish then.
0: You do, you do need to to brush up on your Spanish.
1: Now I'm not talking about like hola como estás, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that, well, was so so, <laughs> that was so rude. So then,
0: what do you want it to sound like? It sounds like you know what it's not supposed to sound like. What is it supposed... Yeah, what is it supposed to sound like? Yo, man, I'm not... So anyways, with that being said, man... So let me tell you a little bit about my community real quick. Is that cool, Josh?
1: Yeah, man. Let's so hear about
0: it. my community is uh, mostly comprised of a large Cuban community um, and also it has a, a strong Guatemalan presence. Mm. All right? Uh, and my community is densely populated, so we're in the 33405. There's about 20,000 people or 19,000 people, roughly, and it's, it's pretty much the Florida version of living on top of each other, we're very, mm. very uh, populated. And when my wife and I were discerning uh, where God was calling us to church plant, we thought it would be in Chicago, but uh, when we were praying about the place, um, I was visiting my parents here in Florida, and, man, we just started praying around this neighborhood because I knew that it was a Latino neighborhood. And I noticed that there were only about three evangelical churches, mm-hmm. and it's a very densely populated area. And, man, I said, man, we need more witnesses um, of the truth mm-hmm. in in communities uh, like this. But as I started thinking about that, I started thinking about the tensions that many Latinos faced. And then we began to do a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. And we said, man, we want to see God bring transformation um, to the Latino community, specifically in West Palm Beach. So I was reading this book uh, called A Future for the Latino Church. Mm-hmm. And in the book, man, I, it shows some, some data um, that really, really resonates with my experience yeah, but I just as a Latino man, and it talks about how, how, many Latinos, even if you weren't born in the motherlands, mm-hmm. you still have to negotiate what it means to to be from the U.S. and uh, identify with your cultural heritage. Yeah, yeah. And, and because of that, man, many of us struggle with relating to mommy, papi, abuela
1: hmm mm-hmm. Right?
0: Like our our generation is not like our parents. Right? right. We grew up listening to Big Pun, watching De La Hoya. Uh-huh. And you know, my pops, you know, he he listened to something different growing up, maybe, and 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 he was into Chavez Ch- uh Chavez Senior. Right. Mm-hmm. And i bo- I'm talking about boxing, if you don't know. Right? So I grew no, up right. a De La Hoya fan. I think that's a good way to kind of show. I grew up a De La Hoya fan. Uh-huh. My dad was a huge Chavez fan. They fight, right? And the
1: like, house is split.
0: The house is split, right? <laughs> so, anyways, I mean, I'm not that old. I'm 33 years old, uh, but mm-hmm. when they fought, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see it. But I mean, you know, there's a little tension there, and we, right. me and right. my pops, might still talk about that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, right? Um, so, so that that's one aspect of our community. Um, I think for many Latinos. Uh, many feel the tension of feeling like sellouts if you don't speak Spanish. Man. Right? Man. So you might identify as Latino because that's your cultural heritage, but you don't speak Spanish. Man. So your abuela's looking at you like, yo, yo. You're, you're a sellout. Cause. Right.
1: Man, Hey, that's, that's a real tension. And I think that, to be honest, I think that tension is felt across the board for people who are not Latino either, because I know for a fact that um, I've had these these conversations with not just my parents, but other um, elders, people who are considered first generation immigrants, um, having this conversation about whether it's, you know, losing the language or, or, um, you know, marrying outside of the culture, outside of the ethnicity and, you know, being like oh you're not you're not for us uh you know the history and the heritage is going to be lost because the language is lost and you know you're marrying outside of your race or outside of your ethnicity right can i ask cuz i hear the same thing like i i noticed this a similar pattern uh-huh. um you know talking about wealth disparity talking about um some of the tensions involving um, you know, family dynamics and migration. Um, do you think that's more common among a particular, I I don't know how, how I would describe it, but like among, I guess, yeah. So among like second generation, third generation, uh, people who would identify as second, third generation. Cause when I hear, when I'm, like having conversations, um, like with my dad, uh, about some of these things. From what I, from what I hear from him, he's. I think he's coming more from he he, he looks at the. I mean, my dad's a pastor, uh, granted, yeah. so he he comes from the Bible a lot. <laughs> but I know a lot of times the critique can be, oh no, you're over spiritualizing, some of these, uh, like some of these issues that are everyday realities. And then the opposite extreme is we don't look to the Bible at all. So I'm, I'm wondering right. if you've you've dealt with the same thing if it's like a common pattern that's that's found in these different generations or if it's just like something that's right now that you just happen to notice?
0: Yeah, I think I, I think so. I mean, again, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but in my experience, I have mm-hmm. seen, yeah, uh, a particular, difference or there's a difference between between somebody who just got here and a second and third generation um, and, and I would say even currently like not just previous generation I would say like uh, I would mean we, me and one of my boys were just talking about how in our soccer outreach we, we had a soccer outreach and uh, in the outreach we had we noticed two kinds of people groups. Mm-hmm. Even, and all the kids were Latino. Like, there was not one, like, other ethnicity represented there. And there was even a difference with the way people, uh, the, the students or the youth that were in the, in the soccer program um, that were recently arrived mm-hmm. or, ha- or, or were born in the motherland and were growing up here, mm-hmm. and those who had grown up here and spoke English right away, like, there was just a huge difference not only in those things, but even in the way that they saw the world. Really? Which is crazy. Yeah. Mm. So, so yes, yeah, so I, I, I mean, in my opinion, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with
1: mm-hmm.
0: like the conversations that are happening in mainstream yeah. culture. I think they influence mm. both people groups differently.
1: Yeah.
0: And I mean, again, that's just my, my opinion. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the the biggest thing for me is just like, yo hey ain't, ain't, ain't nobody or not a lot of people at least that I know mm-hmm. are looking to the church to necessarily yeah talk about these things and mm-hmm. it almost might appear like starting a church is bad for business like it's not
1: right <laughs>
0: like why why would why would we want to start a church and ain't nobody looking <laughs> to the It's church. like it's. It's like, why
1: would you start up a business in kind of like a dying dying industry, quote unquote,
0: mm. right? Mm, that's a good way to put
1: seemingly, it. Seemingly, seemingly dying industry.
0: Yes. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Why? Why should we start churches? And, and I think in particularly why a, a, a thing me and my wife had to wrestle with is in light of all of these things, Mm-hmm. Like, why start a new church mm-hmm. in our neighborhood that is seeking to reach the 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 majority people group, which are our Latinos who struggle with all of these things? Like, why right. make a conscious effort to be in this community because that's the people group here? Why? Mm-hmm. Why, did, why did we do that?
1: Right.
0: So I, I think that's a good segue to talk about our next segment. Mm-hmm. Josh, can you tell us what our next segment is?
1: The next segment is called "Evos," mm. and I will let you tell the the context of that phrase.
0: Well, first I want to say, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend Josh actually says "Evos," <laughs> and he mentioned earlier that he loves to eat pupusas. If you don't know what pupusas are, just Google it, and go try one. But talk let, to let, your Salvadoran. Talk to your Salvadorian friend. Don't, don't don't be taking <laughs> recommendations from other people that just don't know. I'm just saying.
1: Right. I I just want to I want to put this out there like I, I know we've we've joked around about this illustration, but I'm I'm like 100% convinced that pupusas are found in the Bible. Mm, mm. There's, manna from heaven. That's right. In in the Exodus account when, mm. when the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness and God provides for the Israelites manna and quail from heaven, I am convinced that Come that on. is when pupusas were first discovered.
0: <clears throat> so that means in the kingdom, in the consummation of all things, pupusas will be on deck. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my, my dad always used to say, "In el cielo se va a hablar espanol. You know, like too. so, hey, so man. apparently the dominant culture is uh, is gonna be Latino eating pupusas. I
1: I heard one of my one of my favorite uh, Latino Spanish. preachers, um, mm-hmm. he said that you can't tell me that Jesus wasn't Latino because he was born to a mother Maria, mm. Jose. <laughs>
0: That's true. That's true. That's true. We'll claim that.
1: Yes sir. We'll claim
0: that. <laughs> but evos, evos, evos the second segment, evos so evos comes from um it's it's just like Salvadorian slang.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh Salvadorian and slang. I would always hear my 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 family and other Salvadorians when they see each other they would be like evos which means and you, that's a literal translation and uh, it basically means like yo what's up with you? What's going on? What's going on with you and as we do this podcast and um, just bring up uh, the subject matter um, at hand. We we want to discuss how church planting might address uh, uh, the the certain tensions that we see, or uh, the 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 things that we bring up in this podcast from scripture. Right. Right, so we want to look at the Bible and say, like, man, why why church planting when it seems like it's a dying industry? Not that the church is like a business or anything, right. even though. I talk to a lot of people on the street. They'd be like, yo, church is like a business, dog. And I'm always like, "Nah, it ain't. But some I mean, people do
1: be trying to pimp the community. Right. Well, um, that's, that's, I mean, I think to be honest, that's probably more of like an indictment against the modern way that we do church. It uh, If people on the outside are looking at the church and seeing that it's kind of run like a business, I think that's saying something.
0: Right, and I think a lot of it has to do because some churches are not dealing with the real issues. Mm-hmm. You're just—it seems like—and I was a pastor, you know, prior to being a church planter. Uh, you know, just being in the not—not not at my pre—my previous church was amazing, but mm-hmm. um, you know, when you when you're doing ministry for a while, you just notice like, man, sometimes it just seems like we're just trying to. Assimilate people, not necessarily just to the church, but to actual way of life that might not necessarily be biblical, right. and doesn't even apply to the real issues. Mm-hmm. So that's why when we talk about divorce, we wanna just give our perspective from scripture on how how scripture might might address some of these things. So why church plant
1: mm-hmm.
0: in light of some of the tensions we we found? Well, I think. It starts with the gospel, mm-hmm. right? The The gospel is the only thing that can take us from tension to transformation in this world. I like that. And one of the primary, if not the primary task of the church
1: mm-hmm. is
0: to bring the gospel message to different people groups with different perspectives of the world, mm-hmm. different points of view, different worldviews. So... We church plant not because it's a quote unquote dying industry, uh, um, and it seems like people are leaving the church, but we church plant because ultimately God wants to reach new people to Himself by bringing the gospel
1: mm-hmm. to those people. Yeah.
0: To people, I don't want to say those people, but to people. Yeah. Right. And church planting is is an endeavor that brings that message to mm-hmm. people groups.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Josh, what is the gospel? Because I think I think we need to we need to talk about that before we talk about how the gospel might address some of these tensions that we're seeing. Yeah,
1: I, I, I mean, I, I think on the very surface level, like initial, like if, if we were to try to teach this as plainly as possible, the gospel. I know the the the, the term means good news, and that good news is that Jesus Christ who is God came to this earth and and died on the cross to forgive sins mm. and he rose again three days later so that we can have eternal life and mm. that as I believe it's which which passage in it is it I think it's in Colossians mm. Or it's in, uh, I think Second Corinthians. He's he's reconciling all things. To himself. yeah,
0: it's Colossians chapter one. Yeah. yeah,
1: Colossians chapter one. He's he's within himself. He's well not within, himself. through through his work. He's reconciling all things back to God.
0: Right, and I, I think just to add to that, you know, uh, the gospel really th- show it it literally means announcement. It's an announcement. If you mm-hmm. were to study that 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 word um, in its original context it literally means an announcement and it's a, uh, an announcement of what you just said, mm-hmm. Josh and if, if we if, if we were to study scripture, uh, we see that the gospel is necessary because God created the world and he created it to be his kingdom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Everything, everything every single aspect of the world was meant to be under his rule and his reign and his rule and reign was not like, you know, rulers in, that we see in the land. His rule and reign is good. Mm-hmm. And when sin entered into the world, when, when the first humans disobeyed God and what God's word said, that's the moment that it fractured every single part of God's design for the world. Right. So what, G, what, what Josh just said, I almost said what Jesus said, what Josh just said.
1: Yeshua Hamanada.
0: Hamanada, about Yeshua Hamashiach, <laughs> right, is true, and he was this king, and that's why I love the gospel message, because mm-hmm. he it not was, he is this king, but he came in humility mm-hmm. as a immigrant, migrated. He identified with the poor, with the oppressed, right. right. Right, he wasn't born in Rome, Mm-mm. and and was a prince in Rome. He didn't he didn't take that cloak up. Mm-hmm. He identified with with the marginalized, mm-hmm. and he impacted the world from the margins of society. Right, right. So, as we think about this king and what he did, that he died and he rose from the grave, we think about him restoring. Mm -hmm. every single fractured piece of this world. And when someone believes in Jesus and turns away from their sin, that's the moment that they become a participant, an actor. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We become an actor in that, and we get to participate with God in the restoration of all things. Not just our souls, but the entire Uh world.
1: I might even add to that. um, I mean, what Jesus does... And I think that's what's beautiful about the gospel is that he identifies with us. Like yeah. you said, he was born in the margins. He was born in obscurity. He wasn't born in, in the rich palace of Rome. He <clears> wasn't born with status. And even to some of the tensions that we talked about of navigating, um, like as a second generation, navigating what it's like to be outside of our culture, uh, but even within our culture. I think Jesus identifies with that as well. Because he is, he is a person that we would say is fully God and fully man. So while he does identify with us as human beings in terms of, you know, hurting, suffering, being hungry, not mm. feeling these emotions, at the same time, he's also removed because he's fully God. Right. And I think that's what's beautiful about Jesus is that he, he identifies with us feeling out of place.
0: Mm, mm. So why are we church planting in this, I like the way you said that, dying <laughs> enterprise or industry, right? It's because church planting brings that message to bear and it applies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
1: So in light, of, in light of what we talked about, about how the gospel in many ways speaks into some of those tensions, is there, is there an example that you find in the Bible that kind of demonstrates or, or captures what we're talking about?
0: Yes. Yes, yeah, so a, a good anchor text for me has been um, Acts chapter 14. Mm-hmm. Um, Acts chapter uh, The book of Acts was written by uh, a, a, a doctor. His name was Luke, um, and he was also a, a historian. And um, in in the history, this is a theological history meant to change our lives. In that history, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus he promises his his first followers and, and the apostles, he says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as you read the book of Acts as a whole, you see how that comes to fulfillment. Acts chapter 14 is the first missionary journey through the gentile world with the gospel with two men one was named paul another man was named was named barnabas but in verses 11 through 13 they land in this place called lystra in the city called lystra and long story short paul he's preaching and this man who was crippled the text says that he had faith to be healed mm-hmm and then Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is empowered to heal this man. What ends up happening after that is that people think that that Paul and Barnabas are are Hermes and Zeus. Mm. And, and the text says that they 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 start speaking in a Lyconian language. So 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 I just want to pause there to say that that the gospel was brought to a completely different culture, in a completely yeah. different setting, and we know that
1: mm-hmm.
0: because they had a different language, mm. right? And I've I heard it said that language sets culture, right? There's certain culture that's yeah. attached to uh-huh. language, so the gospel is speaking into a completely different culture from 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 the place where it was it was first or it first came to bear. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So not only that, but the gospel also speaks into people's worldviews, which influences how they live, Mm -hmm. right? So here uh, in in Acts chapter 14, when that miracle happens, they think that Paul and Barnabas are Zeus and Hermes, who are Greek gods, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and they begin to worship them. Essentially. Now, the crazy thing is there was a mythology, uh, a myth that said that Zeus and Hermes had visited that region Mm -hmm. and who and at that time there were people who didn't show them hospitality. So they destroyed the village. So (laughs) knowing that myth, the people began to worship them. And then Paul and Barnabas is like, nah, they ripped their clothes. We are not gods. Mm -hmm. And then the text says that they began to preach the good news. Mm -hmm. So this demonstrates that Paul and Barnabas were not dealing with Jews who had the Old Testament. And if you were to read Acts chapter 2, you see how the gospel addresses Jews and Judaism, Mm -hmm. right? Here, they're applying the gospel to a new people group with a completely different worldview. And they begin to speak the gospel into their situation, which was an agricultural society so they relate the gospel to agriculture and how God provides rains and food yeah. so they appeal to nature as they're preaching the gospel
1: I mean it it's yeah. i think one one of the, like you you were touching on is that they they make this appeal to something that that is i mean i don't want to say it's simple like nature is simple but i want to right. say that there's something that that we share in common that we understand that you know what what we see with our eyes like like the trees or the birds or 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 you know whatever i think these are things that we share in common that we can appeal to as we you know give a gospel presentation like whether or not you have a background in in the history of of israel or you understand the old testament i think i i think that's one of the the themes that we see in 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 acts as the as the apostles are going from place to place sharing the gospel message they're not necessarily talking about uh abraham isaac jacob moses david daniel all all these prophets but they're 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 talking about they're 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 relating it to things that they see, things that um, we relate to in culture. Because I think every every culture is uh, distinctly unique, but then we right. also share a lot of things in common.
0: Right, right. And 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 and, and to to add to that, this was a culture that they had a worldview of fate. Mm-hmm. Right. So like they're pretty much like, hey, your your life is determined. There's nothing you could do to change your life. Like. If you suck, you're always gonna suck. You know that's just uh-huh. that's just how the way it is. So I love how Luke, and, and and he he shows that they preach the good news to that, right? You know, to that specific worldview. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, and 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 that even that it plays out in different religious philosophies and thinkings in different cultures. Right, there's this idea of of fate. And fortune that's tied up within either like a, a a deity or or somebody that they believe in, or on you know appeasing to some kind of god, or even just by like by by chance.
0: Right, right, and and that influences the way we we make decisions, mm-hmm. right? Like like if you if you believe that you your your fate is dependent on let's just say the energy you put into the world, right. That's going to influence how you live your life, right? Right. Like, like you might even be really legalistic uh-huh. for anybody who doesn't put quote unquote good energy according to your own right. standard. Like, like it's gonna it's gonna influence every single aspect of yeah. your life. So, mm-hmm. so in the same way that we see Paul addressing that with the gospel, we also see that. I think it. I think we could draw a bridge to our current context, mm-hmm. right? Like people in the Latino community in my neighborhood, they have a worldview. We have these tensions, mm-hmm. and the gospel speaks into those tensions. Yeah, like like the gospel can be applied
1: mm-hmm. to those tensions, mm-hmm.
0: right? So so, as we think about that, I think another thing that we see. In this text, if and again, we're not like going through every single verse, you can read it on your own. But what you see is Paul, he actually ends up being opposed mm-hmm. almost left for dead. Actually, um, which by the way, in the text, it doesn't say Barnabas was almost left for dead, it says Paul was. I wonder if, if Barnabas was like, Yo, I love Jesus, <laughs> I love Jesus, but uh,
1: you know, he dipped out of there <laughs> real fast, bro, once he saw those rocks coming out. <laughs>
0: They stoned Paul And Paul was all alone and he He's, didn't not, a the, die, He's yeah. not a ride or die bro He's not a ride or die Barnabas didn't want to put the put. He didn't want to throw hands bro So he I bounced wonder,
1: I wonder if that was the real point of tension Of why they split <laughs> It wasn't because of John Mark. <laughs> it was because he didn't want to throw hands He's like, You left me to die bro <laughs>
0: So anyways, he gets, he ends up getting stoned. And then he leaves to, to, to Derby, another city that's like 60 miles away from Lystra. Mm-hmm. And then the text talks about how after they preach the gospel in Derby, they go back to the cities that they visited throughout this first missionary trip. And Lishra was one of them. And what's interesting is that one of the things that they did was they raised up leaders. Mm. They raised up leaders um, in, in Lystra. And that, that's what, what verse 22 of chapter 14 says, that they strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith mm-hmm. and saying uh, that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God, verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting... They committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed.
1: Mm.
0: Presumably people who were Lystrans or from Iconium, right these were what is called indigenous leaders mm-hmm. more than likely right so so in the text what we see is that church planting right because the church was started in these in in, in, in Lystra in particular, Also, births indigenous leaders, and what I think is dope about that is usually leaders who identify with the community Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and the struggles of the community can not only speak into those issues from a gospel perspective, but also can speak into those issues for how the gospel is applied to their experience, and people can see that. Yeah,
1: And I, I, I almost see that even as a strategic thing to do because people within those communities I think they already recognize those leaders as as leaders as, as people of influence right. so it's I think it, it is in some ways harder if you're coming in fresh and trying to gain the trust whereas if you were to bring up leaders there are already people that are trusted they are people that are recognized and their voice and input is already um, respected, and so in many ways it's even strategic in that way as they uh, build up and raise up and establish indigenous leaders. That you know they're appealing to their culture and their community standards and and their leaders as well.
0: Right, right, and and I think it's also a testimony that yo know, God can actually work in people like us, mm-hmm. and not saying that that there are no people that that God hasn't worked in who are like us. But I think that we need more leaders who relate to communities like mine because not even just leaders, we just need more Christians mm-hmm. because um, more people need to hear about the gospel. I was actually talking to somebody on on my block recently um, and me saying I was a Christian and then saying I was starting a church was like them seeing a unicorn. Right, cause it, like it, it's like, yo, like how does that work with the things that we've all gone through, right? Like that—that uh-huh. that was that was pretty much our conversation. Yeah. Um, so I think that God is strategic in raising up leaders who relate. Mm-hmm. You know, and that—that that doesn't necessarily mean that God can't use people who don't relate. It just means that God is strategic when He does use people right. who do relate to the community. So for the church that we are planting, which is called the light, the light, not the light, not D-E-L-I-G-H-T, the light, La uh-huh. luz. the light West Palm Beach. Uh, man, our goal is to bring the gospel message to bear and to raise up leaders from the community and also see Christians from the community really participate in the restoration of all things.
1: Mm-hmm. So to, to tie a bow on our conversation, as we as we come to a close, why church plant? Why pursue church planting and the endeavor that comes with it? Well, I think in, uh, as, we, as we've shared and as we reflect on some of the things that we talked about and um, thinking about the community of Latino West Palm Beach, there are real tensions and there are real struggles that. Are looking to be met not just in terms of immediate resources but there are there are some tensions and and things that need to be processed and need to be reconciled Uh. you know to lead towards uh, wholeness not within individuals but also within communities and what we've learned is that the gospel does that Uh. the gospel transcends those uh some of those tensions it it transcends into communities but it also gives us uh, a hope into something that is better something that is more whole for 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 us and and church planting provides that those creative means and opportunities to weave the gospel into Mm. everyday life to to weave the gospel into everyday circumstances and it's not just as we said, within the church, but it goes beyond and outside of the walls of the church. Mm.
0: So until next time, keep checking up with us. We want to invite you into this process of church planting. Uh, as we, as we do it, we don't want to come off as experts um, because we're not experts. We're just servants. Man, That can, can we get a, a <laughs> drop on that? Like, now, nah, just playing. Uh But... No, we're we're not experts. In, in all seriousness, we we're just we're just servants, mm-hmm. um, and I think if we're going to talk about our process, we got to talk about our why, and that's why we did this this first episode. Uh, so, we are planting a church, and I believe we believe that God might be calling you to get involved in this process. And there are three different ways that you can get involved. The first way is by going or coming. Um, and that basically means just joining the church. The second way is by giving or donating uh, to to the ministry. Um, and then the last way is to pray for us. Um, and if you want to be part of the Light West Palm Beach um, in any or all of those ways, uh, just look at the show notes for our contact and giving info. Um, also, email us at La Ventanita podcast at gmail.com for any questions or comments about this show. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a high rating on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever it is gonna be. And just want you to know that this episode was brought to you by the good folks at World Outspoken. World Outspoken is a nonprofit preparing the Mestizo Church for cultural change in our congregations, communities. And cities. If you didn't know, now you know the world is mestizo and this introduces complex cultural problems. Check out worldoutspoken.com to learn about training, content, and partnerships.